Welcome to another episode of the Go With John Show. Today, we are welcoming back Lillian Jorgensen to our Long and Foster Studios in McLean, Virginia. Good morning, Lillian. Good morning. It's wonderful to be here on a sunny day, no storm, blue skies. We're ready to roll. That's it. Ready That's to rock right. and roll. So last time you were here, we want to continue the conversation about what folks go through and what do you do and how do you uh, sell a house and what to expect and these these sorts of things. So on the last episode when you were in, we spoke about, you know, kind of things that happen to get your house ready or your home ready to uh, list it and what kinds of things you do to get ready uh, for for marketing and what kind of marketing you do. So today, um, I thought we would talk a little bit about uh, what happens when the home is listed and you start to get offers and showings and things like that. So talk a little bit about um, what happens when yes. you when you get when you get some interest in a home. So we are now in a very different market and have to totally switch our thinking and our strategy. So we can talk a little bit about the market before 1st of July and the market after 1st of July. And um, we had the market where strategically we would put the house on the market on a Wednesday or Thursday with open house for the weekend and uh, let everybody know in the multiple listing that sellers will be looking at contracts on Monday or Tuesday, whatever you had decided and arranged with your sellers how they would like to proceed. And we've come out of that market after a very hectic, at least uh, spring market since January. Um, everything has slowed down a little bit with interest rates going up. We are now finding ourselves having to rethink the way we get on the market and look to get our contracts. So, um, we are so we are on the market a little longer contracts don't occur the first day we don't get 10 contracts the first day anymore and uh, so we have to take it day by day so needless to say when we do get a contract hopefully within a week or so then we treat that one as the one and only and we don't wait around to see if we're gonna get any more. Uh, of course, we, we could, but you don't know. And as we say, for many, many years in the business, a bird in hand is better than 10 on the roof. And it is extremely important that you are preparing your sellers when you list the home as to the whole procedure and expectation. Um, expectations have to be downgraded just a little bit. Um, we can't assume that everything is going to go up and above the listing price. We can't assume anything, so better be prepared for what we do know might happen. And sure enough, the contracts are coming in with offers. They're coming in with all the contingencies, financing, appraisal, home inspection, sometime even a home sale contingency, which means they can't really buy your home until they sell yours. And that one is not very good. And unless it's something extremely easy to sell, most sellers are a little bit hesitant to take that contract. They would rather know that they have sold. But um, financing and appraisals really are not the hurdles 
it's really not the problem. And we have to explain to the sellers that we can work with this home inspection again. Everything is negotiable and they don't have to fix anything or we worry about it when we get the report if there's something that do need to be done and it's all negotiable and sellers can say no. And of course buyers can say no. But I think in the market we're in, we really have to also be sensitive to the seller's um, need, um, the seller's um, feelings about this whole process. Remember, they only sell a house every normally 5, 7, 10, 20 years. And everything we do is routine to us, but everything they go through is like a first because they might have sold a house 20 years ago, but it was different. And today is different. And explaining and educating your seller is really very, very important. Uh, so when the contract does come in, then they, they know what to expect because you have already explained it to them. So you're already keeping the pressure and the frustrations down by educating your clients. So let's, so let's uh, kind of just recap a little bit. So coming in, I guess for the last, what, four years, Six, four, years four or yeah. five years, it's been a seller's market and you would handle a transaction as a listing agent um, differently in a seller's market as you are today, right? In a seller's market, you may, like you said, list the house on Wednesday, open house over the weekend, and you have offers the following week, very, very few contingencies, if any, yeah. and then you just work to get to settlement, yeah. right? Yeah. And now uh, with interest rates rising, we've transitioned into more of a normal market, yeah. which a lot of people haven't seen. That's right. I mean, yeah. agents uh, actually, have, many, many agents haven't seen a normal market. And I think we also have to remember, I think 50% of the agents were not in business 10, 15 years ago when interest rates were higher. Right. And they're only used to these fast markets and great interest rates, two and a half, three and a quarter, three and a half, four mm percent. -hmm. It's easy. Yeah. You just go do it. Well, easy, but relatively anyway, easy. relatively easier. Yeah. I have lived through the markets of 19%, 15%, uh, 13% interest rates. We did really well and we were so happy when the uh, world was giving us uh, 6 and 7%. That has been the norm for many, many years. Mm -hmm. So I think also now we have to educate the uh, selling agents a little bit about what's happening in the industry. And to get this contract, I'm sort of going back to basics, which I think we all have to do. And in preparing the rate sheets, and a lot of agents don't even know what that means. What are you talking about? Well, the lender's preparing options to how can you buy this house mm -hmm. on an arm, which is adjustable rate mortgages, on right. a five-year arm, three-year arm. Right. So you're talking about having a, a lender prepare loan options for the seller, a right? Absolutely. So you're for listing a home, yeah. and, it's, and it's prepared. So when people seller. come in to see the seller's home, you have financing options on the kitchen counter right. that they and, can pick up. And the importance of that is that the selling agent 
may not even know or realize that you can buy with a different interest rate because they have only seen very, very low interest rates. Right. And I want that buyer coming into my listing to see, oh, actually my payment can be this much lower if I go with an adjustable rate. And many, many people are not staying in their homes more than seven years or 10 years. And during that period, you can refinance uh, if interest rates change. But if they only go up and up and up, then you, you have the good rate. And by the way, there are max on increases on these adjustable rates. They can only go up or down, usually 2%. Of course, that can change at any given moment in the industry. But so when the buyer sees that coming into your home, they may just buy this house because you put that information in the home that they were not aware of and other agents are not putting anything in the home. And you might be the lucky one to get that contract. Right. So that's a fantastic technique to use um, mm -hmm. for, for getting buyers excited about a home. Yeah. So so what else? Uh, let's go kind of talk through the thing. So we're more of a normal market now yeah. and an offer comes in. So you already spoke a little bit about preparing your seller. So yeah. uh, just to kind of recap to make sure I captured what you said, when you take a listing, what you're doing is you're spending the time up front to educate your seller on what's going to happen when an offer comes in yeah and you're giving your seller a copy of the contract so they can read it in advance because yeah. you often don't have time to read it when the actual offer comes in that's not the time to try to understand it you want your sellers to understand the nuances of the of the contract beforehand yeah so then when the offer comes in and you're and you're saying offer now because it's not a full yeah, price so you're right. you're you're getting offers now if you have a million dollar home you may be getting an offer of 850. yeah for absolutely i had a million two five home and we got an offer for one one right so you have to work and you have to see if you can work it up yeah and that one we could never work up interesting yep. because now it's a buyer's market right and the buyer said no Yep. I'm going to go find another house right. where they'll negotiate. Exactly. We didn't get that offer. That was on day two. Right. Then day 11, we got another offer for million one eight. Right. On a two on a one million two fifty. Right. And very surprised. I mean, I we were priced at assessed value, which, as you know, is eighty percent of the selling value. The right. county does not assess us at a hundred percent. We wanted to sell right away and really thought this house was going to go right away. Yet we got this offer. It was an out-of-town client. And, of course, they're wonderful. They're here to buy and they don't really mess around too much. But in this instance, the buyers just couldn't go much higher. And the best we were able to do was a million one nine wow. and that was only another ten thousand we were hoping to have at least something with a two in it a million two something and i explained to my sellers who had bought a home and they kind of need to sell because it's costing them every time they pass up a contract and we all just took a deep breath and had a conversation and um, they decided that uh, we will take this off and we will make it work. Mm -hmm. We're going to have to take some money out of our savings to um, make this work, but we might as well bite the bullet. We don't know what's going to happen. 
Right. And uh, two years ago, we couldn't have gotten even this number. So we are very pleased that we right. can get this number now. Right, right, right. That's and so good. it's the unknown today. We just don't know. And um, so let's talk about the, the mechanics of the of, of the sale. So does it so you're going to have typically in this market that we're in, we're going to have the financing contingency appraisal. and the appraisal contingency, which really are not a, 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 a challenge right now. Right. But and then you have the home inspection, inspection contingency. Right. Uh, so let's talk about what's happening with home inspections. Yes. Yeah, so we're selling, of course, older homes a lot. And uh, there's always something, right? Mm -hmm. And um, But it's really important that you explain to the seller that we can work through these things and and the reason it's so important they don't get hung up on it and decline the contract because of that contingency is once you have the buyer under contract they've paid for an appraisal they've, they've almost moved in this is the home they're buying we're down the road a week later the home inspection is scheduled and um, so you just explain to you sellers that there are some things that are going to come up and they're all negotiable. And here it's very crucial that you have also a wonderful relationship with your fellow agent that wrote the contract. Don't let your egos, your agent, don't let your egos get in the way. Don't be arrogant. Treat that other agent with respect. You need him or her on your side through the whole process. Um, develop that relationship where it's a give and take. And uh, my strategy was, well, we did not get what we expected, and but I'm so happy my seller accepted your offer. I hope you will be respectful at the home inspection because there just really isn't uh, any money to do anything else with. We needed a little more, but we do understand your buyer and we do want to move on. But please help me with your home inspector and on your side of the transaction. And I got the answer, absolutely, Lillian. Of course, I'll do my very best and I will have that conversation with my buyers and hopefully everything will be fine. And so that more or less told me I'm not going to be nickel and dime to death, but if there is a serious problem that really is a problem, whatever it could be, then we do have to deal with it because if they walk away uh, because of it, uh, then I have to disclose to the next buyer that we have a problem. You don't want to be in that situation. And that, and so down the road, your sellers are also into it and they understand they don't want to go back on the market. And we may have to go 50-50 in on a repair. Or we may have to um, bite the bullet and do what we have to do. Of course, this is unknowable until I get the uh, report and the addendum from the selling agent. But that relationship with your fellow colleague, I can't stress enough how important that is. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, so um, you know, I guess at the highest level, you don't really know what's gonna happen. Every transaction is different. 
Yeah. Uh, but we certainly know that there are really three different kinds of real estate markets. You have a seller's market where things are very painful for the buyers that are in that market mm -hmm. and uh, the sellers are um, in the catbird seat. Then we have more of a normal market yep. where there's pretty good balance between the two sides. And then you have a buyer's market where things are very painful for the sellers. So yep. interestingly enough, we've just gone from a seller's market yep. to, to a buyer's market. Absolutely. And we just skipped over kind of that period of time where you're yep. in the middle ground. I, yep. I guess there still are some areas in the Northern Virginia market where... Yeah, and the it, D.C. market, I understand, is very, very hot. And, yeah. the, and there are pockets where these uh, home townhomes or all other homes will sell in a day or two. Right. Certainly, um, I can't say for everything across the board, but I do know with my listings, they are sitting, they're not mm -hmm. selling. They've mm -hmm. been on the market a month, six weeks, four weeks, three mm -hmm. weeks, which is unheard of in the last six months. Since yeah. January, everything has just been sold in, uh, in a day or two with multiple offers. And this goes across the board from the low end to the high end. I had a almost $4 million home that had two contracts on it. A, over list price in 24 hours in McLean. Mm -hmm. And um, that's the way it's been. Yep. And of course, a lot of agents don't know any other markets. They came into the business in this market and they're totally lost uh, going through what we're going through now. Now mm -hmm. it's all about patience. It's about education. It's about remaining positive, be kind. Uh, remember the stress that your seller is under and the emotional feelings because it is so 75% emotional. Mm -hmm. You're the one that have to be the psychiatrist, the psychologist, uh, the doctor, the friend, the uh, whatever, and, and keep things calm. You cannot afford to lose your temper or lose anything. They count on you and you have to come through. And then the next day, your seller will say, Lillian, I'm really sorry. I was just so abrupt yesterday. I'm sorry I lost it. And I'm just under so much stress. And I said, no problem. You know, I deal with this on a weekly basis. And you go through this on a every 10-year basis. So that is why I'm here with you all the way. And I think once you take that attitude and they know they can let loose, <clears throat> excuse me, they can be honest with you and let them blow up and let them blow out steam that you are not going to be angry, that you understand. And and then they can come back the next day and, uh, and, and, and just say, gosh, you know, I realized it was crazy, but I'm really happy we are where we are. So mm -hmm. we all feel better and we move on and then we get to settlement. Great. All right. We're going to take a quick break. And uh, when we come back, we're going to have a little more with uh, Lillian Jorgensen, who happens to also be my mom. Thank you. <laughs> Welcome back. We're still here with uh, Lillian Jorgensen. Thanks again for coming in today. Yeah, you're welcome. So let's talk about something really exciting. Well, that would be our trip to Denmark. Yes. So you okay. just went back uh, to Denmark and, yeah. and we were uh, lucky enough to be able to go with you. And you got remarried 
for your 60th wedding anniversary. And everyone should have their children and grandchildren at their wedding, right? At their <laughs> at, at their first wedding, I'm not sure. That would be something to talk about. But that yeah. was a little omen, yes. Yeah. So for years, my husband had been saying, "Well, when we get to 60 years, we should go back to Denmark and get married again." We were married in Denmark in March of 1962, and in my little hometown of Calling. And uh, of course, I was saying, yes, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you go on with your daily lives. Well, well, here it is this year, uh, 2022, and we reached our 60 years in March. And so we did, in fact, decide to go back to Denmark. And we were lucky enough to be able to make an appointment with the priest who baptized my 15-year-old grandson, who unfortunately couldn't make it. My daughter could not make it. Um, and it's in, the, and also my brother and sister-in-law were married in that same charming little church in Copenhagen. Um, so um, we did go back and we had a wonderful uh, 10 days in Denmark and John and his family went and I think we all had a really fun time. It was. It was a lot of fun. Yep. A lot of fun, yeah. Yep. So we so we got to Denmark and it, it, apparently there was bad weather for two or three weeks before we got there and we showed up and it was just the, the next day it cleared up. Yeah. And uh, we had the uh, we had your wedding ceremony at the church in Copenhagen, which yep. was not where you originally got married. Right, because where we got married, no one was alive anymore. We have to yeah. remember our ages and the priest and every everyone we knew they they were gone yeah um, it's just a fact of life and so that's why we went with a younger generation of uh, uh, priests that we knew in, and, in Copenhagen, uh, in Copenhagen. Yep. and it was very charming and the typical church that's the same more or less all over the country and uh, we had a lovely ceremony and uh, of course when it came to my turn to talk to my husband, I cried. I couldn't say anything, and he was wonderful. He had a lot of wonderful words to say. He did fine, but I just couldn't take it. I guess that's a female thing. (laughs) So uh, anyway, we um, it was just us family there, and we had a wonderful photographer who took a lot of pictures. And then we enjoyed the sunny afternoon. It was raining and misty in the morning, and we got out of the church, and the sun was shining from mm-hmm. a blue sky. Couldn't have been any better. Yep. So uh, we had a lovely dinner at the Yacht Club, and, um, yeah, it was a wonderful 24 hours. Yep. So then we wanted to do something fun and yep. drive uh, to Culling, where yep. you're from and where you originally got married. And yep. uh, so we hopped in the car, which yep. was planned out ahead of time. We were going to go to Culling for two days. Yep. We drive the, what, four two, hours? No, what? no, three hours. Three hours. Three hours to get there. Yep. And we got there. And we went to Legoland in Culling. Yeah. Which, interesting side note, you actually went to school. Yeah, grew with, up with, with an inventor. Of yeah. Lego. Yeah. And, yeah. and uh, Legos would have been in Culling. Legoland would have been in Culling yeah. if the powers in the government in Culling would have given him an airport. airport. He wanted right. an airport. Right. And he, they said, they, no, we don't need yeah. an airport they in didn't Culling. They want to give him an airport. So he, he said, went to Beelon. I'm just going to go outside Culling, which is about... About uh, 30 kilometers, 
and I'm going to buy up the land there, and I'm going to build my own airport. And, of course, the rest is history right. with the factory being built there, the airport being built there. That's a central hub for most of Europe for connections and, uh, of course, the wonderful, wonderful Legoland with miniature buildings, uh, uh, copying famous buildings all over the world. The motto for Kirk uh, Christiansen, uh, was that he wanted to have something for children to come and recognize from their country all over the world. So going through Legoland, you will see all these very famous buildings from the Taj Mahal to um, uh, the um, 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 Mount Rushmore here mm -hmm. in America yep. that, by the way, was built of 4.5 million Lego blocks. It's incredible. The Dutch canals with the boats sailing. Mm -hmm. We have a little, there's an Indian village where you uh, can roast um, uh, uh, hot dogs and things. They have pan for gold for the children and they bring up rocks that are yellow and they turn them in and they're giving a gold coin in return. Uh, really all a very, a very fake gold coin, a fake, by the way. A fake gold <laughs> coin, but for them it's very, very special. Yep, yep. It is just so special. I know there are Legolands all over the world now, and we have several in America, up north in Connecticut, Florida, and on the West Coast, but they're not like the real thing. I guess it's very hard to duplicate the real thing. Mm -hmm. um, I should hope that um, I'm actually trying to see if I can get Legoland to come right here in our area, which I came very close to succeeding back in 1990. But Disney announced they were going to come to Gainesville, and then, then that didn't happen. But when Lego heard that, they pulled out. That's how close we were to getting Lego here, Legoland here in our area. So then, after Legoland, yep. we went over to Colleen, yep. and we were supposed to spend the night and spend the next day in Colleen, yeah. and we show up at the hotel, and we yeah. want to check in, yeah. and then we find out that Colleen is closing at 6 a.m. Yeah, all day. The whole day yeah. and 6 p.m., and they yeah. tell us, if you're not out of here by 6 a.m., you're not going to be able to leave until 6 p.m. Now, I'd never heard of such a thing right but in denmark they set their own rules and it was a royal run a royal which run means the pr crown princess his wife mary um they were running and their children and they run in different cities uh in one day they'll cover three or four cities mm -hmm. just imagine running 10 kilometers and then you get in the car and drive to another city and then you run again right and they close the city for the whole day for the whole day it and was of crazy course we ran into that in copenhagen well i was going to get to that in a second yeah so. right so we'll <laughs> so we stay got, yeah we'll so, stay in calling and we were supposed to stay the whole day but we got up at 5 a.m to yeah. make sure we were out of there by 6 a.m. And yeah. we were in the car at 5.45 a.m. Yeah. And they're closing up the streets yep. already, yep. putting up the barricades. We drive to Copenhagen, and Copenhagen is closed. Right. <laughs> and and part, because, parts of the inner city yeah, was closed. Right where we yeah. were. Right yeah. where we yeah. were going to so, Tivoli. So the prince and, was running in Copenhagen, and yeah. his wife was running in Kolding on yeah. the same day. And we got caught in the middle of that mess. Yeah. And that was really something. Yeah. And and the and the taxi cab drivers in Copenhagen had said they have never seen the city shut down like this. Right. We couldn't get anywhere. Right. It's so. because it's getting more and more popular. Yeah. And people are coming out to watch. Yeah. And they just closed down the whole area. Yeah. yeah. yeah it was because crazy. they can. 
Yep. So, and then we got on the plane and left shortly after that. Yeah. So that was a little summary of our, uh, of our, of our weekend. Yeah, it, uh, was Denmark. it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it, was. it was a lot yeah. of fun. So, yeah. all right, mom, Lillian, people, people always say, well, why do you call your mom Lillian? And I say, well, in a professional, in a professional setting, it's That's Lillian, what it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but there's a lot of people out there that want me to call you mom. So uh, okay. I, I got them both in today. Yeah. You got them both in. <laughs> I appreciate that son. All right. Well, thanks for coming in and thanks for talking about contracts and the market and thanks for sharing a little bit about our uh, Denmark trip so that concludes another episode of the go with John show and go out there and build something extraordinary yes Let's give it a whirl. You ready, Nick? Is it rolling? Okay. Well, so welcome to another episode of the Go With John Show. Today, we are welcoming back uh, to our Long and Foster Studios in McLean, Virginia, Lillian Jorgensen. Good morning. <laughs> Did you get that? Oh, yeah. Well, I'm clear. Oh. Well, you're reading your paper. (laughs) You were going to keep talking. You were welcoming back. Okay. You want to try that again? Yeah, yeah.